the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. It is indeed, and hour number two is underway at nine minutes past ten o'clock on this free-for-all Friday, the 29th morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Boy, you people, uh, <laughs> you don't mess around when I tell you we are doing free-for-all and we're guest-free. Uh, bam. Uh, full phone lines. We'll come to you in just a second, but I do need to hit you before I go to your calls with the update of the day on Jussie Smollett, uh, because it's, 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 it's huge. It's gaining new layers, I guess, to this strange onion. Uh, even as we peel back one, we find another and another and another uh, each, uh, each and every day. First of all, let's uh, talk about what the Chicago Police Department and Mayor Rahm Emanuel, who was really surprising me. I never agree with Rahm Emanuel. The president said that last night, too. I don't know if I've ever agreed with Rahm Emanuel about anything, and I'm still not sure his motives are pure. But he is saying the right thing about billing Jussie Smollett for the full cost of the wasted resources of the Chicago Police Department investigating his hoax. The Chicago police and the city of Chicago have sent Jesse Smollett and his lawyers a letter seeking repayment for diverting the resources of their criminal justice system, totaling over $130,000, saying Smollett has seven days to remit the payment or else face a civil suit. And Mayor Rahm Emanuel didn't stop there. Given that he doesn't feel any sense of contrition, and remorse, my recommendation is when he writes the check, in the memo section, he can put the word, I'm accountable for the hoax. Smollett's defense team earlier put out a statement in regards to the mayor, saying it is the mayor and the police chief who owe Jussie an apology for dragging an innocent man's character through the mud. They owe him a prison cell and nothing less, and he would be headed to one if it weren't for the political corrupt state's attorney, Kim Fox, who lied about recusing herself from that case. 
She is trying to sound tough. She's trying to sound like, no, we didn't clear him. We didn't exonerate him. It's just that we didn't feel like he needed to go to jail over this. The dropping of the charges in no way exonerates Mr. Smollett. Um, he was afforded an opportunity that we have under our pro- alternative prosecutions unit that in exchange for the community service and his bond forfeiture, the case would be dropped. Um, we can't ask him to do that if we believe, in fact, that he is innocent. Then why didn't you make him say he was guilty at the very least? Why didn't you offer him this ridiculous deal in exchange for a guilty plea? And the reason for that is she did not want her friend or the friend of her friends to have to put in a guilty plea. The corruption here is so deep and so thick. Kim Fox, her office was forced to admit after investigation yesterday that when she claimed she was recusing herself from the investigation into Jussie Smollett's uh, uh, charges, she didn't mean it. They used the word uh, recusal colloquially, not in the legal sense of the term. What on earth does that even mean? Think about that for just a second. Guy Benson has a great piece on this in Town Hall today, which I will tweet. If you follow me on Twitter, you'll get this quickly. I'm on Twitter at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio. Uh, It's a bad week for Chicago State's Attorney Kim Fox, the prosecutor whose office allowed indicted hate crime hoaxer Jussie Smollett to walk without even issuing an apology to the city he smeared. And now it's about to get worse for her. She supposedly recused herself from the case over improper contact with a politically connected Smollett advocate at least one identified member of the accused actor's family, yet her office ended up giving him the sweetheart deal of a lifetime. The move drew the ire of a wide swath of Chicagoans, including the Democratic mayor and the police force. In response to the raging firestorm, the nation's nonpartisan Association of District Attorneys released a statement that picked apart Fox's entire approach to this debacle, savaging her actions in an unsparing point-by-point memo. First, when a chief prosecutor recuses him or herself, the recusal must apply to the entire office, not just the elected or appointed prosecutor. This is consistent with best practices for prosecutors' offices around the country. Second, prosecutors should not take advice from politically connected friends of the accused. Each case should be approached with the goal of justice for victims while protecting the rights of the defendant. Third, When a prosecutor seeks to resolve a case through diversion or some other alternative to prosecution, it should be done, it should be done so with an acknowledgement of culpability on the part of the defendant, which I just shouted. A case with the consequential effects of Mr. Smollett should not be resolved without finding a finding of guilt or innocence. Fourth, expunging Mr. Smollett's record at this immediate stage is counter to transparency. Law enforcement will now not be able to acknowledge that Mr. Smollett was indicted and charged with these horrible crimes, and the full record of what occurred will be forever hidden from public view. Finally, we believe strongly that hate crimes should be prosecuted vigorously, but the burden of proof should not be artificially increased due to the misguided decisions of others. End quote. Again, that came from the nonpartisan National Association of District Attorneys, ripping Kim Fox for what she did here for Smollett. Basically, every single thing Fox and her team did in this case was arguably unethical, 
or at least ran contrary to professional best practices, according to the nation's Guild of Prosecutors. And yet somehow the optics are getting even worse. Remember her ostensible recusal from the case? Given her inappropriate conversations and political, or excuse me, potential conflict of interest, via the Chicago Tribune, quote, The state's attorney did not formally recuse herself or the office based on any actual conflict of interest, her spokeswoman, Tandra Simonton, said Wednesday in an email response to my questions. As a result, she did not have to seek the appointment of a special prosecutor under state law. Instead, she put her first assistant, Joe Magatz, in front to take the beating that would come. Although we use the term recuse as it relates to the state's attorney Fox's involvement in the matter, it was a colloquial use of that term rather than in its legal sense. What does that mean? Recusal means recusal. There is no colloquial use of that word. It's not, it, it's not something you can just casually say, eh, I'm going to stay out of it. No, you either recuse or you do not. And given her political connections to Smollett and Smollett's family, absolutely it was mandatory that she recuse herself. Legally, not colloquially. Guy Benson writes, can this get any shadier? It's probably time for the feds to move beyond a mere review of what happened here. Meanwhile, Fox's office has been desperately searching for examples of precedent it can point to in response to a growing chorus of criticism, even putting the request in writing. It doesn't look like they came up with much. What say you, Mrs. Fo- uh, Ms. Fox? This is positively painful. Literally. They are looking for and begging somebody else to provide them with examples of, of uh, cases like Jesse Smollett's in which he was allowed to walk in the same circumstances. They can find nothing. Absolutely nothing. Kim Fox's career should be over. Kim Fox should be booted from the state's attorney's office in Chicago. Kim Fox should never hold another position in law or in government again. And I promise you, you ready for the racial component of this? Hey, it's already a racially uh, 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 insensitive story. Because Jussie Smollett professed to be attacked as a gay black man by two white Trump supporters in a hate crime because of his race and because of his sexual orientation. It's already a racial component. Dare we say that a white state's attorney who let a white hate crime hoaxer walk without admission of guilt while blaming two fictional black guys for the assault? That career would not only be over, that state's attorney would be facing charges herself. And you can't even imagine the city of Chicago burning any more brightly with protests. Let's go to the phones as promised. It is a free-for-all Friday. Thanks for holding on, everybody who is there. Who's been uh, there the longest? Frank in Cleveland. It looks like it is Frank. You're on the air. Frank, good morning. Go right ahead. Frank, can you hear me? All right. I don't know if Frank can hear me or Frank's not potted up or if uh, Frank fell asleep. Frank, are you there? All right. I think Frank is gone. Let's move to the next. It's Joe in Fairview. Joe, are you there? Uh, Yes, I am, Bob. Yes, sir. I have a suggestion for uh, taking some of the political motivations out of legal or illegal immigration, that any non-citizen who votes illegally in one of our elections Mm -hmm. should be subject to immediate deportation and the seizure of any and all assets 
that they accumulated while in the country. Uh, I would be supportive of that. The problem is catching them. The problem is, you know, we, we do find examples of illegals voting and registering to vote in certain circumstances, but catching them and proving that they voted um, is is a little bit tougher. I don't know if, um, you know, I, 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 I would look for something a little stronger, quite frankly. I would look for stronger reasons, or or let me rephrase. Well, that, I would look for easier reasons to, to catch them and, and, uh, and, and use that strong uh, deterrent of deportation. Well, I, I think another avenue we could take, too, Bob, is in trying to protect the integrity of our elections mm-hmm. to say, say, we're somewhere like California, that the idea that, hey, if you voted illegally in one of our past elections, mm-hmm. if you come forward now and admit to it, we won't make you subject to immediate deportation and the seizure of any and all assets accumulated while you're here. And this was I don't have thing. any problem with the idea, Joe. It's just that for me, I don't want to be doing this backwards uh, look at who voted illegally and what can we do to them. What I want, and I'm sure you would agree, is very simply, let's prevent anybody else from voting illegally and make mandatory voter ID the, the law nationwide. I mean, I, let's just prove, make people prove they are who they say they are. Make them show legal uh, government-issued identification with photo uh, before they cast a vote. It's just that simple. You know, all of these red herrings of you know racism, this and it's a poll tax that, and African Americans aren't uh, competent enough to get states' ID like everybody else is, and you're just trying to repress, suppress the vote of African Americans because it's racist, and you know they vote Democrat. Garbage. Garbage. It's not a poll tax because uh, in so many of these proposals for mandatory uh, uh, voter ID, uh, they have been very clear. If you cannot afford one, we'll give you one for free. Just get to a government uh, BMV. Get to a Bureau of Motor Vehicles near you. Get a state's ID. If you don't, if you don't drive, you get a non-driver's ID. But prove you are who you say you are. Present your documentation. Get your ID. Now we don't have any illegals voting. I would much rather prevent them from voting than figure out what kinds of punitive measures can be taken against them, such as deportation, after they vote. And quite frankly, for me, you don't have to wait for them to vote for me to want to deport them. If you broke the law and came here illegally, I want you deported, period, no matter what you did. Right back after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Progressive Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. 1026 now the Bob France Authority continues right back to the phones that we shall go and next on the line in terms of weight is going to be Tommy who's in Parma Heights. Hey Tommy you're on the air. Go ahead. Hey Bob, always a pleasure. Thank you. First of all, let me start saying how much respect I have for you. Um, well, that's nice of you. I, I just want well, I'm going to say probably some stuff you're going to disagree with, but let me just shoot this out there. Please. First of all, these, the people we're referring to, the LBGT, the gay community, these people don't need defending. When we were growing up, they had it so much worse. When you, you and I are about the same age. They okay. had it so much worse, it's not even funny. Um, I, as far as uh, gay marriage goes, 
I, you know what? Any people, any two people that want to bring God into their marriage, I don't have a problem with that. Now, there's a difference. I don't want them making a statement or doing it just to prove a point. But if they truly want to bring God into their marriage, I don't have a problem with that. And as far as the, uh, the San Antonio City Council is concerned, I have to ask, is, is it seems like there's a church and state thing that comes to mind that uh, this might be violating. Well, there is. And that's, what your, what yeah, there, there is. That's, that's the relig- religious liberty part. The First Amendment, the freedom of religion, is essentially being cast aside here by the San Antonio City Council. They're saying that the Chick-fil-A owners, because they donate to charities... Christian charities, because of their Christian beliefs, and those Christian charities don't believe in gay marriage, that means by extension, according to the San Antonio City Council, Chick-fil-A is anti-LGBT and is somehow discriminating against gay people. Now, it is patently ridiculous because, number one, they have never refused to serve gay people in any way, shape, or form. This is simply because they support Christian doctrine, and they support focus on the family, they donate money to the fellowship of christian athletes and other organizations that have, have right. because of their christian status said we don't believe in um in uh, same-sex marriage and and so yes right. absolutely the state is intervening here in this uh you know church and state i, I don't like the separation of church and state argument as much as i do the uh the attack on uh, religious liberty. You have the right to practice your religion without being discriminated against by the state or anyone else in this country, and that is what I think sure. the true focus should be here. Sure, sure. And the other I thing agree. I'll say, yeah. since you, since you, since you, uh, since you asked this part, my friend uh, Tommy, and, I, and thanks for the call um, about you know LGBT protections in general. Look, no one should be harassed, no one should be assaulted, no one should be harmed, no one should be discriminated against based on their sexual orientation. And yes, it is far, far better today for virtually anybody with their sexual uh, orientation and lifestyle choices than it was, like you said, years ago when we were growing up. That's why the closet, it was, it was called staying in the closet versus coming out of the closet and so on and so forth. People wanted to protect themselves. I will fight anybody verbally or physically who thinks that you know in defense of somebody being assaulted or being harmed because of their sexual orientation or lifestyle choices i don't believe in harming people because you don't like what they stand for that is very very different though than the the full-on movement of the lbgt or lgbt or whatever their alphabet soup is uh, their, their ongoing assault on all things Christian. And what has become the case in the United States today is that, it, that if you are not vocally pro LGBTQ, and that includes transgenderism and giving up, uh, private spaces and safe places for women, for example, in terms of locker rooms and showers and schools and whatnot, uh, if you aren't vocally pro all of those things, you are automatically described now and defined as anti-LGBTQ and thus a bigot and thus a homophobe and thus a discrim- someone who discriminates. And that's not right. That's not fair. There is a big, big difference between providing safety for people and making sure that women's rights are respected and protected 
and not intruded upon by men who think they're women and they're suffering from psychological delusions. I don't have to play a part in their psychological delusion. I don't have to rubber stamp their psychological issues only to avoid being branded as a bigot. I'm not going to do that. Thanks so much. You make a look. There's a lot of layers to that onion, too. We can't get them all right now, but you did ask a couple of specific questions, so I'm glad to be able to answer those. We'll get news now. Come right back with more calls on AM 1420. The Seven now, the Bob Brandt's authority continuing on AM 1420, The Answer. Hey, um, it's the 29th of March. You know what that means? That means there's a couple of really, really important movies that I uh, want to point you to. Tonight is the premiere, or today, if you see a matinee, is the premiere of Unplanned, which is the well-documented story of Abby Johnson, who was a Planned Parenthood clinic um, uh, manager. She was. She ran the place. She was uh, in charge. She oversaw the performing of thousands and thousands and thousands of abortions, except that she didn't know what an abortion really was. She thought she was providing women's health care, as Planned Parenthood likes to uh, likes to tell the story. Then she was asked to come back in and assist um, by watching. She just had to watch in a room. They they developed the technology for ultrasound. To be, uh, to be used while abortions were being performed. So you could see inside the womb what was happening with the procedure. And what she saw was a little baby on that ultrasound squ- uh, screen squirming, fighting, and wailing as it was being torn apart, limb by limb, in an abortion procedure, in a... In a, in a procedure of women's health care. It changed her life. She immediately quit her job as the, as the uh, Planned Parenthood clinic manager and became one of the most outspoken opponents of Planned Parenthood and of abortion uh, in America. Uh, her, her story is told in the movie Unplanned, and it comes out tonight. Um, I had her on a few weeks ago in advance of this, and I was very proud to do so, and I cannot urge you strongly enough to be there. Uh, make sure you watch this movie. And by the way, plan on taking your children. Plan on taking your kids. Explain this thing. You have to take them. They can't go on their own because they made it. The Motion Picture Association of America made it rated R. Despite the fact that there's no profanity, there's no graphic sex or graphic violence, except violence committed in the womb on babies. That's it. They made it rated R. Which means that in the ultimate of ironies, in many states, a 15-year-old girl can go in and have an abortion without her parents' knowledge or approval. But she can't go into a movie theater and watch a movie about abortion without her parents' approval. She's too young. I want you to think about that. The procedure itself is fine for underage girls. The procedure don't need mom and dad's approval at all. But to see a movie about that very procedure, oh, that's too harsh to look at. You have to have mom and dad's approval. It's rated R. Think about that for a moment. 
The other movie that you should really take a look at um, is, especially in light of the Justice Smollett story and the ongoing racial division in this country right now, it's called The Best of Enemies. It also uh, premieres. Uh, actually, this one doesn't premiere tonight. I take that back. This one's in theaters next week on April 5th. So my apologies, but I do want to remind you about it because it's a good one as well as we sit here and deal with the racial strife and division. The Best of Enemies, a story about real serious racism and the KKK uh, during the ordered integration of schools down in Durham, North Carolina in 1971, is a great look at how it can work. We can get past racial division. We can come to an understanding if we want to. And that's the difference. This story is about um, a civil rights activist named Ann Atwater. This is a true story, by the way. Uh, and C.P. Ellis is a Klansman. Uh, and the two of them were forced to get together and work out their differences when a judge ordered that the school be integrated. And uh, Ann Atwater was looking for an opportunity for her young daughter to go to school, and uh, the Klansmen were trying to make sure that never happened. But they were ordered to make it happen, so they were given a two-week uh, period to come to some understanding, to have a summit community-wide and figure out how to do this. And by the time it was all said and done, these two real devoted enemies the black civil act, the civil rights activist, and the white Klansmen found out they had more in common than they had uh, that they disagreed upon, and they became very good friends. And they are to this day, decades later, they were they they have been very good friends. It can happen. It can work. It's called the best of enemies, and it comes out, uh, like I said, on April fifth. So there's a couple of really important social commentary movies that I think uh, might be worth your uh, worth your while. All right, back to the phones on this free-for-all Friday. Who's been sitting there? BJ in North Olmstead has. You're next on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, BJ, go ahead. Thank you, Bob. I'll be brief. The movies you just mentioned, I think, are going to be the new paradox that's going to be coming. I think there is an awakening taking place in our country. BJ, can you hold on uh, one second? B- BJ, we're getting a thumping on the line. I don't know why. I'm going to put you on hold. Ahead. I'm going to come right back to you to see if uh, if it's something that can go away. All right, BJ, bringing you up again. Are you there? All right, now it's still thumping. We have a problem with our line. I apologize if it's distracting to listeners, but go ahead and make your point, PJ. Uh, the movies, you, if you can hear me now, the movies you just brought up are going to be the episodes that we're going to be uh, seeing more and more. And what I mean by that is the negativity since the last election in November, we met just a few days before that one, to the present day. Look at all the things that have come up and changed it. And the indignation that's been starting to grow in America, not just with conservatives, but in generally with the inappropriate behavior, behavior of Americans with each other. And I think that this, this reconciling with the abortion issue and marriage and all these other things, in the next five months, I think we're going to see very dramatic changes. I hear it in your voice when you're talking, and I hear it in, in a lot of the uh, commentators on radio, like Rush Limbaugh and others, Hannity, all of them. They're incredulous about what's been taking place since uh, the last election in November. So I think we're going to be coming into a very awakening period. Continue what you're doing, and thank you for your time. BJ, thank you so much for the phone call. And again, I apologize to the listeners who might have been distracted by the thumping there. I don't know what the problem is. It's just uh, one, of those, uh, uh, one of those phone connection issues. Sorry about that. Mike in Cleveland has been waiting. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Mike. Go right ahead. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call, Bob. Yes, sir. Uh, one thing I've... Thank you. Uh, um, Jesse Smollett, do you think uh, any money is going to come out of his pocket? <laughs> well, you know, I, probably not. Probably not. George Soros is going to reach in his front pocket and say, uh, how much was that, 130000 130000 they're sending a bill for, yeah. Yeah, so Soros will take care of that. Anyways, 
second point was uh, when we release these uh, illegal immigrants into the country, we need to have severe uh, conditions, restrictions on, on, on their release, which uh, could be, you know, I'd put an ankle bracelet on every adult that's released into the country. And saying if you, you know, if you take this off or remove it, you will be deported when we find you immediately, blah, blah, blah. So, I'm not opposed to it, or, to be 100 percent honest with you, but um, I, I I don't know how <laughs> I don't know how the the system could handle millions because it's literally millions of illegal aliens in this country, and the more that are coming, because you know you notice Congress isn't exactly snapping to attention here and saying whoa whoa this is too many hundred thousand in the month of March alone, you know, they're not exactly planning on changing anything, so it's going to quickly become 200,000. We're getting into millions of people who are being turned loose, and millions of ankle bracelets can't be monitored even on a million different computer screens to see when they take them off and that sort of... Do you understand what I'm saying? I just wonder how much the system could even handle if we did want to do something like that. Yeah, I'm I'm really not talking about people already here. I'm talking about from this point forward. Oh, I am too. I I am too. 100,000 in March, my friend. Listen... Listen, hundred thousand for ten straight uh, a month for ten straight months is a million. Uh, so I mean, yeah, I'm talking about millions plural going forward. I, I agree with you. Not even talking about the ones that are already here. Yeah, or somehow have them make them report on on where they're at. You know, uh, just like you do with the people that are released. You know, like sex offenders or every. You know, yeah, you like people are, people are on parole or probation. Right. Yeah, have them report into probation right. officers or you know deportation officers or whatever you want to call them. But the problem is, Mike. Again, they won't, and that's the thing. They live under the radar. They live off the grid as much as they humanly can, or, uh, as much as they possibly can. <clears throat> And um, and that's that's why this is a problem. That's why ninety percent of them are never heard of again, heard from again. If they if they know that they can hide effect, effectively and efficiently, they're not going to report. They're not going to report to their probation officer or their you know uh, checkup officer, welfare check, whatever you want to call them to make sure that we know who they are and where they are. It's just not gonna. Uh, it's not gonna be something they're gonna prioritize. They know they can get away with it. Henry in Cleveland is next. Hi, Henry. Go ahead. Yes, uh, Bob. Uh, thank you for the call. Thanks uh, for accepting my call. Uh, what I was trying to say is that, uh, to your screening was, uh, have you ever noticed or the link that between the people that we hold in high esteem, the families, for instance, the Kennedy and mm-hmm. Chapel Quiddick, uh, the Clinton, Bill and Hillary, and all the stuff they did and the Clinton, uh, Clinton initiative and what they were involved with, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, the Obamas, they were very pleasant people, nice people, but the sordid history, and I think this is just one example of many that we tend to overlook, if you will, the the dark side and who these people really are. Uh, what, well, please explain that. What do you mean the dark side and who these people really are? I mean, you know, for instance, no one ever uh, says, for instance, uh, I was in college when Chappaquiddick took place. And uh, whatever happened to Mary Jo Kopechny, mm-hmm. you know, would have been whatever. But he was shielded by the Kennedy name and family. Yes. Uh, you got Bill Clinton. All the stuff that he did. And uh, was loved by people, black and white, particularly the black folk, particularly. And they thought he was good because he was. But, there was a lot of stuff that took place with Bill Clinton. 
there's a lot of stuff that took place with Hillary Clinton because mm-hmm. she was going to be the next, i.e., president of the United States, first woman president. And nothing was ever said, nothing was ever questioned, i.e., the tapes. And people still loved and worshipped them, and they just kind of overlooked that. And I think that uh, there was a question about when Obama was president and uh, no one wanted to touch him because they were perceived as being racist. They were perceived as being uh, anti-American. And everybody wanted uh, him to succeed. I would say not most people wanted him to succeed and to show that they, who were they, America really was, that we could elect a, vice, a black president, if you will, I should say a biracial president. He wasn't black if your mother is white. You can't be black, per se. But you understand what I'm saying? I do. I do see what you're saying, Henry, and I and, and I do think you make a great point. Why they? And thanks for the call. Look, government corruption exists and has existed throughout history, uh, in both parties. Um, it, it appears as though, however, only one party is better at getting away with it than the other. You understand what I mean? You, what you said about Chappaquiddick, and by the way, if anybody ever has not yet seen that movie, I was sitting here doing movie reviews and promos a moment ago. If you have not seen Chappaquiddick the movie, uh, make sure you make a point of seeing it. I think you can see it on Netflix or some of the other uh, uh, streaming services. Uh, but when you talk about the scandals of Bill and the scandals of Hillary and the scandals of Teddy Kennedy and so on and so forth, you're right. They seem to get away with it. And they're glorified and worshipped despite all of what we know. And that is... I don't want to say it's exclusive to one party, but it is very, very one-sided. Uh, that doesn't mean there are no Republicans who have gotten away with this or that or the other thing, but they are not glorified. You know, when you look at the scandals that a lot of people were involved with, um, Republicans denounce those things, and Republicans in general do not get away with those things, and they're not glorified as the uh, uh, decades go on and, and, and history is written. So you're right about that, and that dem corruption is something that I think is, you know, absolutely needs to be called out. Um, thank you for the call, Henry. Um, I got a lot of people on hold. I'm going to try to get as many of them in as I can before the top of the hour, but it's 1050 right now. We'll check our traffic for for the uh, final time and come right back on AM 1420 The Answer. TJ in Cleveland up next on AM 1420 The Answer. TJ, go ahead. Hello, Bob. Hi, TJ. Oh, can you hear me? I hear you just fine. Go right ahead, buddy. Yeah, you know, uh, little be known to people today is designated as National Vietnam Veterans Day. So I'd like to give a big hurrah to my brother in arms. And I will be celebrating tonight with a big bowl of fish heads and rice. Now, one other thing I want to say, Bob, I don't know if it's true or not. I read on the Internet this morning that in, when you enter the halls of Congress, they used to have a POW MIA flag mm-hmm. that the Democrats took down and replaced it with the rainbow flag to support gays in the military. This is what's become of us. Um, I, 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 I'm not going to say that's not true, but I don't know it to be true. Um, when I was in Congress last September, um, uh, when I was there, uh, uh, doing my shows for, um, <clears throat> for fair, um, I, I remember seeing a POWMI flag there. I don't remember exactly which hall it was in, uh, which, uh, uh, you know, area it was in, but I remember seeing one. Um, if it has been taken down and replaced with a rainbow, if it's been taken down, period, I don't care what it's replaced with, that's a huge problem. So if I can verify that, TJ, 
Uh, one way or the other, I would like to do so because I will certainly express my discontent to members of Congress that I'm able to speak with about it. And if I can verify that that's a, uh, fake news, then I want to make sure that's known too because that would be terrible if it is true. And as to v- Vietnam Veterans Day, you're right. It is unbeknownst to most people, myself included. I kind of had, I mean, I guess I knew it, but I had forgotten about it. It's not really uh, publicly uh, discussed very often, but it was declared. You're 100% right. And it is March 29th. So happy Vietnam Veterans Day, meaning, of course, uh, our respect to all Vietnam veterans. Thank you, my friend. Khalid Namar is a talk show host right here on AM 1420, The Answer. He is a co-host of the Todd Allen Show, which you hear every Sunday night. And he's got a show this Sunday night. Khalid, how are you, my man? I am fantastic. Uh, there's no shortage of topics for, for all of us. This, this keeps us working. You are uh, kidding. You and I were on Twitter talking about Miss. uh See Ellen Connolly, who thought it was, uh, you know, within her her purview to insult Baron Trump in her opposition to President Trump's uh, cuts of the Special Olympics. Which, Just to remind know, everybody, by the way, yeah. who ju- who See Ellen Connolly is, Khalid, former judge, retired Judge Connolly, and former uh, uh, president of the uh, Cuyahoga County or, or executive, I should say, of the uh, Cuyahoga County Council as well. <clears throat> so. Yeah. This is a prominent person uh, who wore a robe and sat in judgment of others, served on the Cuyahoga County Council. And why don't you tell everybody exactly what she had posted? Well, she posted that, uh, well, President Trump shouldn't cut uh, special lifts because Barron might need it one day, which I was livid about. I totally went in on her on, a, uh, on our show, and uh, you can hear it on Sunday. And this woman... Like a lot of lefties, they don't believe the, the nonsense that comes out of their mouth. They're all about sub, uh, civility and, and all this other nonsense with their words, but their actions are totally contradictory. She has not been held accountable. I sent this story out to all the local media outlets. I haven't seen too many people cover it, even though a lot of people on social media were covering it. Uh, and, and so I basically let her know how I felt, felt about her comment. You invite her on your show. I don't think she'll respond. She she's won't. Probably she's a coward. She's rather beat, beat up on a 13-year-old. So we talked about Ms. Connolly uh, at length, and we also talked to uh, a prominent Cleveland attorney, Jeffrey Sindelar, who's a brilliant legal analyst, graduate of Harvard Law School, about a case that's not getting much attention about Harvey Weinstein's black attorney who's being um, uh, you know, protested and pushed back against for actually defending Harvey Weinstein at Harvard. Uh, his name is uh, Sullivan, last name is Sullivan. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Jeffrey Sindelar being a a graduate of Harvard Law School came on the show to talk about it. So it's been, it was a, a great segment and uh, people need to be aware of what's going on where Harvard students don't think that people deserve a defense, which is stunning. And that is, uh, that is pretty it, amazing. Hey, in the interest of time here, Khalid, let me, uh, let me go back to the, to the uh, judge Connolly thing too, uh, because uh, you're right. She's not going to come on this program and I'm glad you went in on her. Um, but uh, in all seriousness, it's not just that she said she complained about the president's cutting of special uh, special Olympics funding, which, by the way, I agree with her on. I don't think the president, yeah. I don't think that's a smart budget cut. I think that's an important yeah. program that means a lot to a lot of very, very special people. And I use that term in all sincerity and, and in yeah. honor of them. They're special, wonderful people. I don't like it. But not only did she choose to go after the president's son by saying Barron might need it someday, That means that she sees it as an insult. 
to say that somebody yeah. is special needs. She 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 Absolutely. not only bullied cyber bullied a thirteen year old kid. She essentially said, "Ha ha ha! He's going to be special needs someday," as if to diminish the quality of life or quality of these actual special needs and special Olympic athletes. That is unbelievable, yeah. Khalid. It, it is, and it, it was late breaking yesterday that Trump reversed it and decided the, the money will stay in for Special Olympics, which reminds me of your comment, Barack Obama on Jay Leno, you know, because he was so perfect, he never made a mistake, but he insulted uh, Special Olympians by mocking right. the bowling game. by talking about how uh, he bowled. That's exactly right. Absolutely. Hey, Khalid, we're up yeah. against it, my friend. I got a jet, thank but you, I thank friend. you so much. You got it. Uh, uh, have a great show on Sunday night, the Todd Allen Show, co-hosted by Khalid Namar. We'll see you Monday. Bye-bye. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.